Pierre, I'm all now to defending your right to speak and to listen. This is the Free Speech Union Podcast. Very good evening to you all. Welcome to another Facebook Live with the Free Speech Union podcast. We have uh, an eminent panel here this evening uh, to to share in our conversation around the Bethlehem College issue up in Tauranga. I'm sure many of you have uh, have seen coverage on a Christian school up there that has uh, been called out for having a statement of beliefs that includes uh, the definition of marriage being between a man and a woman. And this is an issue that the Free Speech Union has gotten involved in. And we've had quite a few of our supporters um, really support the facts that we are standing up for their speech in this case, but also wanting to understand a little bit more around the context. And so that's what we're here doing tonight. We're going to be unpacking the situation itself and and, and some of the uh, more philosophical aspects of perhaps how we've ended up in a place like this in, in a liberal democracy like New Zealand. But, but before we start, I just want to uh, um, acknowledge some of the work that we've been doing and, uh, and, and the help that we need from you as well. So you can join us in standing up for Bethlehem College's right to free speech. We're not asking you to agree or to disagree with them, but their rights to have that speech at www.freetospeak.nz. And this is where uh, the Free Speech Union runs some of our campaigns and uh, asks for the public to stand with us in this really core belief that we have that uh, Kiwis should be allowed to disagree. Kiwis should be allowed to express themselves openly and, and put themselves out there for, for debate through free speech. So that's what we're about. So if you want to uh, sign that public letter there, it's free to speak.nz. But the panel that we have uh, joining with us tonight are three of our fantastic Free Speech Union Council members. We have Dr. David Cuman uh, from the University of Auckland, um, Dr. Melissa Darby from Tauranga there itself. I think you're um, kind of in the heart of this with, with a lot going on there at the moment. And, and you're also from the uh, from a local iwi there, uh, Ngāti Ranganui, and, uh, and a political commentator, Annie O'Brien. I'm not Thank only not for... doctor. A doctor, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Andy no, I'm not a doctor. I'm the only one who's not a doctor. I'm just feeling inadequate. Neither David nor I can save your life or anything. So. <laughs> yeah. But you, you're welcome to come and do a PhD with stuff. me if you want, Annie. <laughs> I think you regret that offer. <laughs> Annie, I actually, I wanted to start with you tonight because um, I think you have a, a, a bit of a unique perspective on what's going on here. First of all, uh, you're a comms expert. You work a lot in kind of political commentary and and way to communicate publicly. Uh, so you have a, a kind of quite a, a impressive experience in that regard. <laughs> but also you come from from a community that's been affected by the speech as well. You're uh, part of the the um, gay community and, and yet you're also standing, you're encouraging the free speech a union to stand on this issue I wonder if you can unpack some of that for us yeah I think um I can I can say that um I feel passionately about my right to to marry my partner when the time is right um and I um am, am stoked that that law went through uh, so I feel very strongly that um marriage in 2022 can be between people of the same sex however I also strongly believe and religious rights and the religious rights to express um, themselves and their religion. Uh, we cannot pretend that um, any of the, the old religions, if you will, um, don't have doctrine and beliefs that, that clash sometimes with some of our 
um, modern um, ideas and, and, and how we've evolved as society. And they do need to be discussed at times, but on the whole, um, we're talking about in this situation, the rights of one group, again, being pitted against the rights of another. So I guess we've seen it a fair bit um, uh, in my experience with the rights of women in this situation, with the rights um, um, that are put forward by people um, who uh, believe that that woman is a, a construct and not a reality. Um, and again, we're seeing um, the same similar group of LGBT activism um, taking exception with the rights of a religious group in this case. Um, and I feel passionately that I can hold two beliefs and think that actually I disagree strongly with some of the stuff that Bethlehem College has said, and um, I disagree with their perspective, while also um, being prepared to defend their right to say it. Well, and, and and that's very much. Uh, I I think I just have to uh, applaud you for that for that position and that ability to be able to walk with more than one thing in your hands. Often uh, humans are not very good at kind of holding two ideas that are intention at once, aren't they? But isn't that uh, the you know the, the the famous notion around free speech? I will, uh, or, you know, I may argue against your belief, but I will defend to the death your right to believe it. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where you're coming to on this. It's it's quite yeah. unique in our society today well i hope that as the free speech union we are taking leadership in that in that way we have people um in our council from various backgrounds with various different um cultural religious identities and um sexual orientations and all those things all those demographics um and consistently what we are doing is referring back to a, a principle of free speech and saying that no matter our various beliefs and positions and, and demographics, we are putting forward an idea that in society has been one of our very most important, mm. which is that humans are, should be free to, to speak their minds without interference of the state. Uh, and I hope that, that in this campaign and in all of our others, we're setting that example to say this is what we should be doing. Mm. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I want to pick up on a point that you made there, Annie, around competing rights and the, and the, and the, and the fact that often, um, you know, there are uh, there are many rights that often do have to be navigated in concert, and and there is a tension that emerges there. But there's this perspective nowadays that uh, I think many have that that there is a right not to be offended a right uh, not to hear speech that you don't like, a right to uh, not have someone disagree with you. And of course, that is not a right that is in tension uh, with free speech because that is no right at all. Society can't function uh, if, if we go around thinking that we we can't have others disagree with us, we can't hear ideas we don't agree with. You know, Dr. Cuman, I wonder if, if you have any thoughts on that. You uh, you work in the hard sciences, which uh, is, is uh, quite far removed in many ways from free speech, which is allowing uh, open debate really on any subject uh, from any perspective. But I wonder kind of how do you see this tension um, emerging between what are legitimate rights, rights that we recognize, but also kind of the creation of new rights that, that don't really exist or haven't until very recently existed? Yeah, well, I, I mean, let's start with that first premise of yours. I don't think that the hard sciences are immune anymore from this sort of discussion. And the... Um, 
the Fjord over the Listener 7 article, I think, is the best example of that most recently. You're, you're um, absolutely are, correct, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very proud of the work that we did together in standing up um, for their right to express their opinions, and I think there's unfortunately going to be a lot of work uh, mm-hmm. still to do on that front and in, in the academy more generally, unfortunately, um, both in the hard sciences and and elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the... I don't think that they are new rights per se. I think that they're um, people who want to have the right to shut down the views that they don't like mm-hmm. uh, and so claim it um, unfairly um, or unjustly or without good grounding as a right. Uh, and it's the time that we live in where human rights seems to be the uh, paragon of virtue that everyone appeals to um, to do whatever they feel like doing. Uh, but if we bring it back to our history, and you put it out very nicely, Uh, The idea of a tolerant liberal society means that you have to uh, agree to disagree and disagree and be tolerant. Um, And those, I think, are the virtues that we are espousing as a free speech union and and should continue to. Well, and I I really wish I didn't have to do this, but but I feel like I need to ask you what you mean by that word, uh, tolerant, because... I don't think actually, well, I'll put it the other way. I think a lot of people misunderstand what that word means. You know, even a lot of people, the, the Free Speech Union and, and some of our staff have come under incredible pressure this week around uh, the opposition to the to the defense that we're providing for the rights that uh, Bethlehem College has to make this speech. And one of the reasons that we've been attacked so um, abusively in many cases is because they go, you are so intolerant you for, for you to uh, allow Bethlehem College to make this speech. It's, it's a fundamental contradiction of terms, really. So can you quickly unpack what does tolerance mean again? Oh, to put up with, essentially. Um, I will tolerate you. I will put up with you. Um, I may not like it. In many cases, I won't like it. Um, but I will let you be you. Um, and if I need to stand up and, and contra- or counter your opinions and put forward other opinions, if I need to ridicule you, if I need to um, show you some facts uh, and present that in open discussion, I'll do that. But I will tolerate your speech on uh, and your right to speech. And I think as soon as we lose that, um, we're in real danger. Um, particularly if it comes from the state down. Um, And in this instance, it is a state integrated school with a special character under law uh, that it seems like there's a whole bunch of intolerant people who will not put up with the special character of the school. Um, And that uh, not only has implications for Bethlehem College, I think it has implications for all special character schools. Um, And that I'm led to believe is more than 10% of our student population who attend. So um, this is a very real issue on, on multiple levels. Um, and the fact that Bethlehem College has been proud of who they are and stated explicitly what they're about, openly, um, transparently, um, is the reason that they're in the crossfires, uh, in the crosshairs rather. Uh, and I think that there's, they shouldn't be living in fear and neither should any other special character school about speaking up. I find it, I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I find it interesting that that use of the word there, that they're proud of who they are, they're proud of what they're saying. And I think uh, kind of in, in in the decades leading up to us, free speech has been used to really uh, open up and explore this concept of pride. Uh, and it, and it's all, it's interesting now, Annie, you were talking about this before, that, that certain segments of that that proud community uh, now would, would, would seek down, uh, seek to use those same rights to shut other people down. Uh, but... but Dr. Darby, I want to just ask you, uh, your perspective here. You, you're an education specialist. You're uh, based in Tauranga, but you work at uh, the University of Waikato. Um, what is your perspective kind of uh, a, a, as someone who 
you know, understands how classrooms work, understands the, the, the purpose of education and, and education often from a particular perspective. Um, why do we have special character schools and, and why is that an important part of kind of the, the educational framework and, 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 and uh, the society we're trying to create there? Well, I mean, I, first of all, when I first heard of this story, I thought it was a bit of a non-story that, you know, a Christian school has this belief. I didn't think it was particularly surprising or shocking, to be honest, but um, here we are. So, um, I mean, special character schools are set up in to, really to reflect or to allow schools to um, set up sort of aims and purposes and a, and a set of objectives, objectives and so on that reflects their particular personality, if you like, or their particular set of beliefs. So a school like Bethlehem College would, um, that would therefore give them the, I guess, mandate, if you like, not to, not for what they're saying, but to have that particular um, option to be able to set up the school that reflects who they are as a community. And like you said, they're very transparent about that. They haven't um, kind of hidden it and tried to you know, lure people in under pretense and then actually um, have something else that they want to discuss with the children there or the students there. I think what has been missing in this de- uh, conversational debate as well is the role of families in this. Mm. You know, special character schools give families the option to perhaps select a school that better reflects some of their values and things that they have in the home. And, and there are many different special character schools. They're not all necessarily of a religious nature. Um, but I think that as soon as we remove that, I guess, freedom that they have to express themselves in that particular way, they cease being special character schools. Mm. So it's sort of- can, can you give us some examples of, so th- there are obviously religious schools that that are a large component of special character. What are some other ones? Um, I worked closely with one um, elsewhere in the country that was set up uh, to, and named after a particular ancestor in this part of the country. Um, they were, I, I suppose you could call them, well, they had a particular focus on Te Ao Māori. So they were able to then incorporate elements of their history and their local place and so on in a way that they felt reflected the students and the families that were part of that school mm-hmm. community. So, you know, their ancestor, um, I believe, or the ancestor that the school's named after, um, I guess, marked out different parts of the particular part of the country with his giant feet so that a lot of people wouldn't believe that obviously but it's something that they that is part of their personality it's part of their identity as a school in much the same way as the Christian values would be part of Bethlehem College's identity Mm. if it's not for you jog on there'll be a school there for you but I think that in the interests of diversity it's about us providing um, educational options that reflect the diverse needs of our community, and Bethlehem College does that. Well, well that, it's really interesting that uh, just at the end there that you that you go to diversity because that's I was thinking how does diversity continue without uh, allowing people to be different? Different is the essence of diversity, right? And so tolerance, is, as uh, David was talking about before, and, and diversity go hand in hand. Are you concerned that um, while, while we are, we're, we're talking about one particular belief here, which of course is very telling, isn't it? It's not, um, you know, there, there are 13 statements of beliefs there, Eek each as ridiculous as the other in some people's uh, interpretation. Uh, Why have we just singled out one here? But are you worried that we could actually see kind of uh, just a cookie-cutter uniform um, uh, educational perspective push through our schools if we removed our our special character schools and and the richness that they provide? 
Yes, and I think it removes, again, um, parental choice or family choice in the matter. And again, some of the commentary that's been coming out about Bethlehem College seems to have no consideration whatsoever of the families that have chosen to send their children to this school for a particular reason. And not all, but certainly many families, I imagine, would send them there for um, the particular values that they reflect in their school. And I think that that's in a free country, that's something that people have the right to choose, the, the sort of education, I guess, that best reflects them and, and the values that they hold. And I wouldn't like to see a country that um, pushed, I guess, one view or one way of educating. I think we've moved a lot, you know, a lot past that to try and uh, connect more with learners in the different contexts, be that cultural, be that, um, you know, religious in some cases, um, linguistic, All a whole host yeah, a whole host of different ways that we try to connect with learners so that they can get the best possible outcomes out of education. And I think that Bethlehem College and other special character schools provide an option for families that prefer not to send their children to the local kind of mainstream, if you like, high school or, or primary school. Mm, mm. Um, you know, I, I think some of our audience will go, OK, hang on a second. You're not you're not telling the, the full story there. Uh, this really isn't about the the speech of the school it's about a contractual issue some of you may be aware of this um and and it is worth noting that uh the bethlehem college became a state integrated school in 1999 but in uh, 20 years later in 2019 it did add a statement of belief that that is now the one in question so that's the issue according to many people and that's where this whole uh, conversation has come from according to their perspective that uh that it was all about the fact that the ministry of education wasn't consulted and 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 i think it, you know it's worth calling that out but there's also it's a red herring in many ways i think i think anyone who's following this conversation can see it for what it is not least because first of all the 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 gay advocates in Tauranga who have created this issue uh were not aware that the that the ministry of education had been consulted uh, when they first drew attention to the statement of belief. It was simply the fact that that statement of belief was there and that the speeches uh, being, uh, you know, expressed in, in Bethlehem College there. Also, you know, this uh, statement of belief was added three years ago. If it was a contractual issue, surely that would have been the case way back when. But, but it kind of plays into this whole, we will jump on any little thing we can to try and shut down the perspectives of people to not not to try and disagree with them we're fine with people disagreeing with them and as you said many of our council members disagree with the speech in question here but it's about shutting down the speech it's about censoring it so that those opinions cannot see the light of day and uh any i wonder if if, if can, can we draw you back in on this um you, you and I were discussing before how you're quote unquote the wrong type of gay that you know there are different communities in our country that almost have privileged speech at some times you know that that is, as some people can have a right to speak on some things more than others but only if they're only if they're saying certain things right and Absolutely. so <laughs> I wonder I wonder what's your experience like as a lesbian woman who is saying hang on a second Christian schools should be allowed to if they want Say that marriage is between a man and a woman. It's not impacting the law. If they want to advocate mm -hmm. for a law change, let's have the discussion. We won that one. We I'll fight them again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and so, but but on the other side, you know, the, rather than being in conflict with the religious community, often you're even in more conflict with mm -hmm. the, the the proud community. Um, what's that experience like? It's insane. It's really insane. Um, I have um a very good 
um, very religious friend who I never thought that I would be friends with uh, a few years ago. Um, and he sends me often links to, you know, batshit stuff that's happening in the media and, and everything. And the other day he sent me something that, you know, the woke lot were doing and he said, how homophobic is this? And he sent it to me. And I was like, how am I in the situation where uh, a seriously like evangelical Christian is less homophobic to me than people in the actual like rainbow community? And it's just gone insane. And as you say, I'm um, the wrong type of gay. I, um, I'm, my name is Mud on the um on on the the twitter hashtags and whatnot um not all of them (laughs) you've got lots of fans too (laughs) um and i i i guess i have had the wrong opinion according to these people on the trans issue um and and that opinion for me is based on policy and law it's not based on like wanting any harm to come to individuals or anything but they take my opinion on that to be wrong so then I am wrong across the board so in this situation I've already had um accusations that I'm um I often get called quote unquote uncle Tom mm-hmm. or um those kind of things which is a highly racialized term and seems very inappropriate to to level at um a white woman um but nonetheless they give it a go um, and and then they use terms that are kind of similar to that to assume, um, insinuate that I am betraying the community um, uh, that has rejected me, which is a bit weird. But um, and that I shouldn't be listened to, um, and that I am quote unquote harmful. So it's a, it's a, such a crazy situation. Mm. Um, and ultimately, for me, even just hearing you lay it all out. Um, this is political. It is not, there's no part of this discussion that isn't political. Um, whether you're talking about what these activists have decided to point to in Bethlehem's um, statements, whether you're looking at why it is a Christian school and not a, an Islamic school or a Tiao Māori school that have had their beliefs interrogated, every part of this is political and it comes back to a set of beliefs that kind of the culture-shaping elite in the media, in these organisations, um, have that they think they have the right to impose down on the rest of society and that they then have the right to prevent discussion and disagreement on. Mm-hmm. And and we cannot lose sight of the fact that this is political through and through. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you, Annie. I just have a, a, a something that's gone through my mind. I wonder what you think about the timing of this. Why now? What, what's going on? Well, Is this something that I've missed? It's Global Pride Month, so maybe they wanted a, a, something um, to kind of point to. That's perhaps one thing. Um, the other thing is, at the moment, there is um, a, a lot of movement towards the same in the space of um, some of the identity um, aspects of the ideologies. And so we're definitely seeing, um, I guess, uh, some probably negative behaviours on both ends of the extremes, whether it's the kind of woke left or reactionary right, um, in regards to this rainbow LGBTQ plus rainbow, what is it, Um, alphabet mafia space. (laughs) Um, um, We're seeing a lot of kind of jostling at the moment because um, like 
even just today, um, the, the the global body that um, that looks after um, swimming um, elite sport, mm. um, they have basically said that um, male transgender people who identify as women cannot now swim in, in women's sport, which I think is fantastic news. But of course, there are others who think is dire. So what we're seeing is a real jostling because there are it's it's there's some reckoning is happening at the moment where beliefs that have been put forward and have been imposed there's been no debate allowed none of that some of them are being teased out now and they're not going the way the activists want and so you'll start seeing I think more attempts to show how um, bad the world is to this particular group of people that's just my kind of reckons <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting point that you raised there though Annie in terms of uh, the response on both sides mm-hmm. and, and and certainly you know while, while we're talking about the censorist tendencies of one ex, you know one extreme of the perspective one, one community uh, on the other sides frequently we engage with people who are still trying to mm-hmm. uh, assert that um, that those in this community shouldn't have their speech rights and and mm-hmm. so I, I'm really concerned I wonder if any of you have any thoughts on what options do we have left well, once you start, you know, a lot of people say, well, speech like this leads to more dramatic action, possibly even violence. Um, my my concern is, though, once you take the speech rights away from someone, once they're not allowed to express their perspective on, on really fundamental issues, sexuality and gender and the composition of our family and marriages, these are very intimate subjects. And if we can't have this open debate on either side of of the spectrum, if we can't really feel like we can represent who we are, whether uh, straight and traditional or uh, queer and open, you know, uh, what options do we have left? Are you concerned that that more dramatic action could emerge from that? I guess if I just jump in again quickly, um, what I fear is that we inherit a lot of our culture wars from the United States. And if we look over at what's happening there now, you have got, um, you know, we've had this kind of woke push that especially under Biden has got, you know, very um, aggressive, I guess. And now we're seeing the emergence of, of the reactionary right behaving in ways that I think are really antisocial as well. Absolutely, um, so yeah. um, we just in the last week, there've been a number of occasions where because of pride, there have been events, which while I don't agree with them, which involve um, drag queens reading stories to, to children, I don't think it's appropriate, but it's just my opinion. Um, then um, we've had militia groups basically showing up and trying to um, aggressively and physically prevent the events from taking place. These are the extreme reactions that if we do not actually um, have some kind of dialogue and allow um, society to work out, this just increases the chance of these two factions clashing. And it will be in really antisocial and, and um, I guess, harmful ways for society where um, all of us in the radical middle kind of going like, hey, like I'm pretty sure we can come to some kind of agreement where we can have Tolerate kids being, you know, you know kids can be down. pro um, everyone being themselves and, and know what gay is and all that kind of thing without, you know, a bloke in fishnets reading them a book maybe, but also we cannot, um, you know, turn into gun-toting militia when we want to stop them from speaking. It it's just becomes very ugly. And mm-hmm. my fear is that we inevitably inherit those cultural issues here because um, America is just 
so so good at exporting their bullshit um that if we don't set the groundwork of we discuss these things here we're going to end up with those kind of ugly factions emerging I think so. Speaking of um, your comments about America any years ago when I was um, over there um, involved in some UN stuff, they were, were talking about why, how they ever got the Universal Declaration on Human Rights passed. You know, all of these vastly different nation states to agree to this kind of set of rights with all of their cultural backgrounds and variation on in religious beliefs and all sorts of things. And whether or not it's true, I don't know, but a um, woman at the um, Ewan in New York said to me, because nobody talked about it too much. And while I'm not advocating for <laughs> people not to talk about things, obviously, um, I think that this kind of live and let live tolerance, like you mentioned earlier, David, um, you know, really has to come to the fore where, you know what, it's okay. Like I think Bethlehem College has made it clear that they understand other people have a different view on things, but this is their view. Mm-hmm. And sort of please let them hold it. And, and everybody can just kind of agree to disagree, perhaps. Um, and like I've talked about in the different conversations I've had with people, um, including in, in this podcast here, um, about identity politics, connecting on our, you know, our shared humanity and, our, and, our, and all the things we have in common, which is hugely outweighs all of our differences. So that would be my hope. And I think that that's a way forward that really does um, I guess, recognise the spirit of tolerance mm. rather than things just being disguised and packaged as tolerance, but actually being anything but. Mm. Yeah, it's, all, it's also interesting, um, I think, important to point out that there's nothing that I've heard that suggests that Bethlehem College is not teaching the curriculum appropriately. Um, you know, that I don't think that they've radically changed the biology curriculum as it stands to promote their worldview wholly. Um, you know, the, I think Bethlehem has a pretty good academic reputation. Um, and so, uh, you know, like Melissa was saying, the families choose to send their kids to a, a school that has a special character um, and we have special character schools, uh, then that's fantastic. It offers them the, the safe space for their beliefs to flourish uh, at the same time as getting a pretty good education, which we really need in New Zealand. And, and I think going back to your question before, David, around the, the timing of this, I, I think uh, the time frame of this conversation is really important. As you guys know, I, I moved to New Zealand 10 years ago and uh, this piece of legislation uh, only passed nine years ago in, in, in 2013. And so I, I think we need a little bit of, of uh, kind of self um, examination when, when we're not talking about generations of difference in perspective on what marriage constitutes and the way we should consider these subjects. We're talking nine years ago uh, when many of the same members of parliament had this debate and, and they came to a conclusion. So fair enough, that is now the law of the land, but it's not like to hold this perspective is one of those really unspeakable views that uh that you know maybe hundreds of years ago we, we treated things totally differently and thankfully things have changed since then we're talking about ourselves here we're talking about a lot of people who who through speech through discussion through dialogue have probably changed their opinion on this in 10 years and and some haven't and and they are entirely entitled to that perspective but it, it's interesting that things have changed so quickly and now to even just reference that perspective is is getting people 
people in such hot water. Um, what, one of the aspects, though, that uh, one of the, you know, those that are critiquing the speech uh, have, have raised frequently with us is around where the, the perspective or the speech uh, for our work uh, of the children relates with that of the parents. And, and I, think that's, I think that's an interesting point and, and an important discussion to have as well, where, um, you know, uh, Dr. Darby, you're, you're talking about uh, parental choice there, and, and that's important. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. It's not saying that the school doesn't have that right. But I think, okay, well, let's have that discussion. Let's, let's consider that perspective. What, what if, um, you know, a, a child who identifies with a different gender or who identifies as gay is going into this environment, their parents um, uh, subscribe to a more traditional perspective. And so there, there is a real conflict there. That's a very difficult uh, situation. I'm not going to ask for you to solve that problem uh, in, in two minutes, but kind of what's some of your thoughts on on how we navigate that in a tolerance, diverse, pro-free speech way? Not the way they're trying to solve it now. <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't have the answers and I'm sure that um, that would be a conversation between that the child, the parents, of course, and others in the child's life and the school would need to navigate um, within the, I guess, all of the various um, factors that each party brings to the table. And, you know, to me, that would be rare. Like, one thing that I think has been missing in this, like I said, is a lot of the things on the, in the media have been presented as if this is the, the only place that every child at Bethlehem College or student at Bethlehem College will be hearing these sorts of views. Whereas chances are it's highly likely that a lot of the children there attend um, a church or obviously come from a Christian home and therefore it's not new to them, these views. So I think that that's been missing and, and like, you know, there's been just this real attack on the school without consideration of other um, other areas. So that begs the question, of course, if the school's no long, long, longer allowed to make that kind of claim, well, at what point does that filter out to others not being able to say that as well? And that's a real concern around fundamentals of a democracy around freedom of expression and religion and so on. So I, I think that there could be a really serious ripple effect from this as well. Um, certainly children or students in the school who are perhaps facing challenges where their way that they feel about themselves doesn't line up with the school would be difficult. Um, and that's a conversation I think for the families to have primarily um, and with the support of the school. Mm -hmm. And so I hope our viewers kind of hear the theme coming through here. You know, these are complex subjects. We're not trying to pretend like there's, there is only one perspective. Obviously, there's more than one way to view this. And, and that is why we need free speech. That is why dialogue and, and reason and persuasion are so crucial. And so that's really what we're standing up for. And, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of you have joined us in standing up uh, with our public letter at uh, freetospeak.nz. You can, you can sign that there. And, you know, we we are using this as a way to say, hey, look, I think most Kiwis, I, I don't know, I, I, I imagine the, uh, you three agree with me, but I imagine a, a, a tradie walking down uh, a street in Christchurch or a farmer out in the Manawatu or or even, you know, an accountant on his way to work in Auckland listening to what's going on. And they go, like you said before, Dr. W, a Christian school 
with a perspective that marriage is between a man and a woman. Sorry, where's the fire? What, what's I, the news story? Know. It must be a really slow news day at the NZ Herald if this is kind of the issue that they're unpacking here, you know? But <laughs> but obviously, uh, for some people, this is a big deal. And and let's have that conversation then. But, uh, you know, we, we hope that... Uh, oh, I, I believe that the vast majority of Kiwis go, hang on a second, this isn't the way we go about it. So I hope you'll you'll join in signing that letter with us. That's www.freetospeak.com. Uh, nz and uh and and we're going to use that as a way to just say hang on a second guys this isn't this doesn't need to be the cause for division that we need it to be mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i want to unpack a little bit more is the, the division that any the points that you made before were really interesting just around the way we import a lot of our cultural uh wars our culture um the, the you know the conflicts in our perspectives from the united states uh i've just come back from from a trip to europe where i was dialoguing with uh, different species free speech partners there in europe in the, in the non-anglosphere um part of the west they they couldn't believe that um, that universities were shutting us down from from speaking. They couldn't believe that academics uh, rated their academic freedom so lowly. They couldn't believe some of the culture conflicts that were happening. They say you guys are like Canada in the U.S. You know, so there's a real difference even within the West uh, b- between the way these wars uh, wars these, these cultural perspectives are, are playing out. And and so how do we go about? Um, building that social unity a little bit more. And I think it's an interesting conversation because uh, the government is so intent on social cohesion, uh, which I think is is like, a, well, uh, arguably, they, they claim to be, they use that word a lot. like that. They, they say co- social cohesion a lot, at the very least. Um, I, I've always found that term uh, quite bizarre. It, it's it's almost like, you know, when when you when you get a, you know, um, someone to, 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 a mathematician to write about love, maybe, you know, they use all the right terms, but you go, that's not really what we're talking about there. You know? um, social cohesion. And you go, what? Um, it feels vaguely threatening, kind of the same way that does. be kind feels vaguely threatening uh, now. And you're like, <laughs> I mean, I hope I can say it. it feels almost like what the Chinese government would say, you know, like, are we going to have social cohesion on this? And I go, I feel slightly uncomfortable with that. Um, <laughs> Sounds like something out of the Soviet, Soviet Russia or something. I'm sure yeah, that they were yeah. these euphemisms, right? That often mean the opposite of what the word the word says something, and they're talking about the opposite. So when they're talking about so, social cohesion, which is the coming together and the cooperation of different perspectives, what they're really saying is there will be one perspective. And <laughs> and, and and I I think we should just call that out. That's that's the troubling thing about hate speech laws. It's saying yes. Everyone will get along really well because everyone will think the same thing. And you go, that's the fine print. That is it. And and ultimately, this is our way or the highway. And you're out if you're not with us, you know. You know, um, despite the, you know, the, the different perspectives held on many subjects, just in this panel here, people who, you know, I'm honored to get to work with, are free speech enables that diversity we've discussed that already but but how do we bring that together so we can actually have that um that commonality in in that belief you know i i guess we are hoping that people will agree on one thing and that is we're allowed to disagree and use our speech for that um you know i'm really concerned about it i look at the way the the us is going and canada as well which is very concerning some of the social trends that are going there the division that is occurring and i go Oh, this is this is concerning. I don't I don't want my baby boy to grow up in this ever polarized environment. How do we actually 
provide some of that. And and of course, the the glib is well, we 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 allow free speech. But do any of you have ideas on how we can actually practically explore that a bit more? I, I found your story interesting, Annie, earlier about uh, this friend of yours who who disagrees so fundamentally with you, um, who probably goes to bed praying for you every night. You know, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what am I? It's okay. It's actually, you know what? Um, he, I know he cares about me. And if he believes that after death, I'm going to a, a not very nice place and he wants to pray about that, then that's, that's nice. We just don't discuss these things. Really. We talk about the stuff that we've got in common. Um, and he knows, for example, that um, I support access to abortion. Um, and I know that he considers that to be, you know, genocide, basically. And we just go, right, those are settled matters. We don't actually need to litigate them over and over again. I've got the, the I guess, good position of knowing that the law is on my side in that situation. Um, and actually, we don't need to relitigate those things in a friendship setting obviously it depends on the type of relationship you have if you're working with someone you have a different type of parameter um and if you're in a situation where you are having to deal with them on that particular issue then you will have to confront the the difficulties and the disagreements but i think we need to learn um that we don't have to take the fight to every person in every relationship it's like um, I always feel really sad watching social media, especially like Twitter, around like Christmas or Thanksgiving time in the US, where you see um, a lot of young people all discussing how um, they're going to have to deal with these awful bigots at, at Christmas dinner. And, um, and it, it sounds horrendous. And I think we're living in the most tolerant time, supposedly, in our history. And all of these young people see going home for Christmas or Thanksgiving as if they are going to be engaged in warfare. Yeah, that, that they're going to sit down with Himmler and his cronies. Yeah, like why, what happened to um, us being able to go, my grandmother is 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old. She was born in a different time, say. I'm speaking uh, metaphorically because my grandmother's passed away, but... Um, <laughs> You know, she was born in a different time, and I accept that some of the views she has are reflected of that, and I don't agree with them. Society's moved on. I'm not going to spend Christmas mm. in combat with her over the stuff. And I think it's actually about bringing back individual responsibility for how we interact with each other and when we choose to have conflict over disagreements. And it's also ultimately, I think, unless we are able to find leaders for our countries and our institutions who are brave enough to um, stand up for having disagreements and, and shutting down um, cancel culture and all that kind of thing, we are not going to get anywhere. Mm. It comes down to people. Mm. It comes down to people's willingness to stand up and it comes down to our ability to choose to engage with each other in productive ways instead of being locked in combat all the time. Mm, mm. I, th I think those are, those are um, admirable comments there, Annie. I, I really like that. So if, if you're sitting down at your Matariki uh, uh, <laughs> Friday dinner uh, the, this week and, and there's, a, there's an uncle or a quarter on the other <laughs> side of the table that you don't like, have, have some tolerance. Um, but but it, it's interesting what, what you're saying there, Annie, around um, basic respect. 
and and you know I I I'm kind of in two minds around respect in the free speech because I don't think free speech does require you to respect the speech of the other person. You know, a, a lot of what people have to say, I go, I'm not going to respect that. Uh, that 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 is idiotic in my mind and I'm going to use my speech to counter that but that's where we have to be able to distinguish the person from the speech and isn't mm. isn't that so much of the issue where they've become totally intertwined for you to hold a perspective on abortion or on on the trans issue or on the uh, you know on the uh, on tertiary uh, from a certain perspective you are now that view and and I don't agree with that view so I don't agree with you and now we are at war whereas you know, hopefully in, in times past, perhaps we've been better at seeing the person as distinct from their perspective. And actually we can then exactly what you were saying, Dr. Darby, respect the, the humanity of that person mm-hmm. and, and the, 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 the things we share in common with them, which vastly outnumber the, the things that we disagree with them. And that's not to trivialize mm-hmm. those differences. Often they may still be significant, but uh, you can separate the perspective or the speech from that person. I think so. And I think you can find points of connection, you know, that um, we don't have to all agree on absolutely everything in order to sort of fundamentally get along with each other, um, you know, at a sort of common decency level, which doesn't, perhaps it's not so common anymore to, you know, to have common decency around the place. And I think that a lot of that does play a part that, um, I mean, we all know the I guess, role that social media has played in exacerbating a lot of this because things that you wouldn't necessarily, I think, quite often not say to somebody's face because some of those other social elements kick in, you just say because you, you don't see the person's reaction. There's less responsibility, I suppose, that comes with what you're saying. Um, but, you know, I mean, gosh, I've spoken a lot and I know Annie's a fan as well of Martin Luther King and you look at the way that he spoke and the kind of um, widening of the circle and the way that he spoke about people who he had every reason in many respects to really dislike, um, he didn't. And he, um, you know, was able to draw them in and to connect with um, people who he who really hated him, obviously, as well, um, in a way that was, helped him to achieve his, his aim of a, of a sort of more tolerant, truly tolerant and truly inclusive um, society, which, which isn't what we're seeing now. Like, it's ironic, really, that... Um, the words, you know, for people who are so opposed to speech, they've been very clever at using speech in a way that sort yeah. of manipulates and packages things in quite a deceitful um, or disingenuous way in many, in many instances. But I agree. I think it's about um, finding ways that we can connect with one another, time and a place, you know, pick your battles. Really? Are you really that surprised that, that this Christian school holds these views? They do a lot of good. Um, a lot of families I know send their um, children there, like you mentioned, David, not because necessarily of their Christian values but because they do produce some pretty good academic outcomes and and we're in need of that in New Zealand so can we not just wipe them off entirely they they could make a difference in a lot of a lot of kids lives and I think that that's something there's something to be said for that put it the same Mm -hmm. well I also also think that the the tactics of going after Bethlehem so publicly and so aggressively and and, you know all the the letters and petitions and calling for inquiries and so aggressive you know I it might just be me, but my reaction to something like that is to dig my heels in um, yeah. and yeah, to raise my hands and to, to say, bring it on. Um, whereas if you come to me, you know, in a slightly more subtle, private manner and say, there's a few things here I'd like to discuss with you, I'd be far more open to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pick your battles and, and your tools um, or weapons, <laughs> yeah. if, if you want to call Absolutely. them that. 
Exactly. And my understanding is it's not a new belief that Bethlehem College has. I think it was more a point of clarification in 2019, given other changes in society and them saying, well, actually, hey, we know that this is a common viewpoint, but actually we still um, have this have this view, which is a sort of pretty standard Christian view in many respects. Well, and, it, and it makes sense why in between 1999 and 2019, a clarification was needed, right? Yes, Major yeah. social yeah. changes have occurred since then. It, it's fair enough to say we're going to actually just put something on the table here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think they have a right to do that. And if it's not for you, like I said, go to another school. Simple as that. And plenty of schools, I think, are out there to meet you know a diverse range of needs in our community. And but you know you you have to let people have have that choice i think i also wonder about the um degree to which this has been blown out of proportion how i would view it if i was i don't have a child yet but if i was choosing to send them to a school i wouldn't expect that they would be speaking about sexual orientation five times a day i would think it might come up in a in a um you know, in their health and relationships class at some point, they'd do a module and you'd learn that actually, you know, there's different ways that families are made and there's, you know, different sexualities and all those kind of things. And so you'd expect that in that time, a Christian school might say, well, look, the law says this, but it is our belief that um, according to the Bible and our religion, actually marriage is just between a man and a woman. And so that's when it comes up. But the way this is being framed by the activists is like there's someone with a stick beating the gay kids as they walk in the gate every morning um, and they're screamed at in every class, you know. And so you kind of go, well, what are we talking about here? What are the, What is the actual issue here? Is there, um, you know, a campaign of horrid behaviour against every child who's gay or gender non-conforming and goes to the school? Or is it that the school, in a very selective moment in the education process which is like the act of teaching families and relationships they say our political and religious religious view is this in which case that child presumably who was a teenager has the entire rest of society as a reference to say okay so that's what they think but actually everyone else says x you know and they can make their own decision there right like it's to me it just feels like this is a disingenuous um thing because it's being made like it's an assault on people like me and I went to Catholic schools until I was about 13 and then I went to a state school and um I yeah I I don't remember us talking that much about sexuality but that was um last century or something um (laughs) you know um and so I do think how much do we need to talk about this how much does it need to be an issue and how much is this just like I say a political stick Mm -hmm. to to, to strongman the argument though I think that what I saw was there was an attack on this um statement of principles that uh parents had to sign which was not we agree it's just we understand that the school has these beliefs um which, as far as I could see, are totally uncontroversial for a Christian school. Mm. Um, not that I have a great deep theological knowledge, uh, but <laughs> but it, there was also there was also, and this is the strong man, um, the opposition. There were also uh, allegations of of actual abuse um, in the school uh, that came out, and I think if there are, then they need to be investigated. 
Um, mm-hmm, I don't absolutely. think that should be tolerated at all. That's a completely different kettle of fish. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And we should distinguish between that and uh, what it started as, I think, um, at least this round, uh, yeah. which was the statement of beliefs, which is a statement of beliefs of a special character school that's entitled to their belief and to exactly. state it. And, and, the and school should be absolutely expected to treat every child with dignity um, in accordance with human rights and the laws of the land, even if they have this, you know, they've got this belief system, um, there is absolutely no way that that then translates to them being able to mistreat children, um, students who who might be gay or might um, question their gender. Absolutely. Um, And that distinction does need to be made. So thank you for making that clear, David, because... um, I really think that we should be able to make that distinction and say that um, while a school might have X belief, it doesn't mean that the rights of the child that exist outside of that are going to be allowed to be mitigated in any way. Absolutely. Yeah. But but and, and to kind of bridge those two perspectives, uh, discriminating. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it is not discriminating to present a certain perspective because I think, uh, you know, some people would jump on that and go, exactly, that's what we're talking about, and they are they are teaching that uh, that that their perspective of gender is invalid, and that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about actions, not ideas, right? And so that that that's the, that's the tension here is, um, of course, actions off the table, but then ideas are not abuse either you know and I think we we, we want to so complex right it's so so complex and um this is what's so upsetting I guess is um when I think about young people who like I was when I was um hiding in the closet um and you are so afraid of what I was at the time of how of what the world will think of you and so for adults to be fostering this idea of hostility that actually we've worked a lot through as a society, I think is harmful to those children who should be able to know that regardless of religious difference and stuff, New Zealand is a safe place for them to to be gay, you know, for example. Um, it is possibly one of the safest places ever in the history of the world to be gay. Um, and... So to give them the misconception that um, a policy like that is putting them in danger is actually um, wrong. It's completely wrong to do that to the child, to give Mm. them that anxiety. Mm. 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 I'm just going to keep on banging my drum here then and and say if uh, if our viewers are enjoying this conversation, go to freetospeak.nz or if you agree with what we're saying even more, uh, go to freetospeak.nz and donate. Uh, but this uh, is what we are standing up for is, is a conversation, is the right to have that dialogue, is the right to disagree. Dr. Cumin, I want to come to you uh, as we uh, draw to a close now and just say, what do you want to see come out of this? You know, we are lining up to stand by uh, Bethlehem College and, and any institution, any integrated school's perspective on marriage and say, we will stand by your right to have that to have that speech, to make that expression. Uh, there are others that are lining up going, we will not rest until we see this scratched out, until we see that uh, speech like this is no longer allowed. And um, if it, if we would take it down to numbers, freetospeak.nz right now is the most, uh, is the largest endorsed 
public statement in the country on this issue at the moment. We are about twice the size of any um, endorsed statement against it. But but that's that, that's not actually resolving the issue. What do uh, we need to do to actually resolve this issue? And what is what does a victory look like for free speech lovers in this in this issue? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm glad to hear there's the numbers, but I don't think that should be the, the story at all. You know, even if there are only us four on this call standing up for it, it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Um, uh, in, an, in an ideal world, um, I think I think Annie hit the nail on the head when she said it takes leadership. I would like to see our um, elected representatives and those who are uh, legislated to stand up for human rights in this country uh, and those that have taken on that burden either willingly or um, as a job to actually do their job, um, to stand up, to be mature about this whole thing, to say we have special character schools up and down the country that do, by and large, very good work. Uh, they teach the natural curriculum as they should. They each have their own special character because of their beliefs. This is one of those schools. They're entitled to it. And the bullies can sit down. Mm. I agree. Um, I would hope that that's exactly what our elected officials will do. Um, I don't know. I don't hold out a lot of hope, to be honest. And I don't want to finish on a, a down note about it. But I think, you know, when you put this, um, Annie, I think maybe said earlier, or Jonathan, around the extent to which schools should be discussing some of this stuff. And again, I come back to the role of families in this. And also, when you look at it in the wider context of other, um, like the recent uh, new Ministry of Education guidelines around relationships and sexuality, they're coming at an increasingly younger age for children. Um, there'd be a lot of people who wouldn't think that's appropriate. Annie, I know you mentioned that before around certain conversations with children who really are too young to understand a lot of the wider implications of some of this stuff. When you look at different legislation that's just been passed, um, the attack on Bethlehem College, it sort of fits into this wider picture. So I would hope that everyone can just pause for a bit. We can just have some conversations about this because Otherwise, like you said, Annie, we could end up in a place where some of these things in the states and so on have been put into practice are further down the track. There's been a whole host of unintended consequences and things aren't looking too good. So I think that we need to have these really crucial conversations, not to the point where we're necessarily all going to agree with one another. I don't think that's quite creepy. I don't think there's anything particularly healthy about that. But rather where we can say, you know what? That's your view and on marriage, on whatever it might be, this is mine, um, but we can still live together in this great country and this place in at a time that we've never had more freedoms and more rights to be who we are. But we need to extend that to everybody in the mix. It, it doesn't seem right to me that there's one group saying, we want these rights and we want these protections, but we're not prepared to grant that to others in the mix as well. That's not going to end well. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight, and especially for uh, the three others joining in this conversation today. I think hopefully this has been a, a really positive example of people who disagree on quite a few different issues, uh, who who may or may not like each other even, but um, who actually are able. No, no, it's, like it's a great crew. Uh, I love who, these guys. Who, who yes, are able <laughs> Agree to disagree. And, and you know, we, we have some very uh, heated conversations at times, but at the end of the day, Melissa, you've banged it on the head there. It's it's saying, well, I'm actually going to afford to others the rights I expect for myself. And at the end of that public letter that we're asking our supporters to sign at free to speak.nz, that's what we say. We expect if, if others 
are expecting the right to speech, they should be able to extend that to uh, to, to to everyone who will hold the perspective. And so um, we say kia kaha, um, Bethlehem College. We uh, think that you guys are under a lot of pressure right now and, and not taking into account the substance of the speech. We absolutely stand with their right to, to make these statements. We think every special character school, every institution, every individual in New Zealand has free speech. It is one of the greatest liberties that humanity has ever known. And while the free speech union is around, we will keep standing up for your free speech. So thank you all for uh, the conversation tonight. Thank you to our listeners and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Free Speech Union podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or find out how you can get involved or support, you can head on over to fsu.nz or check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Ka kite anō.